Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. end of the year is right around the corner. So in this episode, we're going to talk about seven things to do with your money before the year ends. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. We're talking about the seven things to do with your money before the year ends. And this one isn't on the list, but it should be. I've put together a free downloadable for you that is my 10 mindful money questions to ask yourself. If you have not gone through these 10 questions, let me just tell you, they sound very simplistic. (laughs) Like a question I ask everybody, how do you feel about money? This is something that you think, oh, I can just answer this question in a couple of seconds. But I follow that question up with why. Why do you feel a certain way about money? Where does that come from? And this process is the unearthing process that I think we all need to do on 
the road to financial freedom, financial independence, achieving your money goals, or just living everyday life, not so stressed out and freaked out about money. So if you've not grabbed this free downloadable, do so right now. You can go to etmpod.link slash 10, the number 10, money queue. I'll have that link right in the show notes so you don't even have to remember it. But spend some time going through these money questions and I think you're going to discover a lot about yourself, particularly as you're thinking about the end of the year and and how you want to wrap things up with a nice little bow so you can roll into the next year feeling good about your money. And I know that the end of the year is a time, it's kind of mixed emotions, right? It's an excited time. It's holiday parties and gift exchanges and ugly sweater contests and Hallmark movies. I don't know if you're into Hallmark movies, but I am a sucker for a Hallmark holiday movie. <laughs> There's just something about it that it it helps me not think about my life or anything that might be stressing me out at the time. And I just get to escape into this little magical world. Now, there are a lot of flaws and a lot of things I can say against Hallmark movies. That is absolutely for sure. But I'm just, I'm a sucker for a good holiday movie. (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. But it also is a time of, I think a lot of the shame and in in fear and and guilt around money maybe you feel like you haven't gotten to a point where you've achieved the money goals that you really want to achieve this year and there might be a little bit of of a letdown i think that's something that makes the new year feel exciting because it feels like something fresh something new that you can look forward to. And if 2023 was just a shit year for you, it was for me in many regards, you can look forward to a new year and hopefully things will be a lot better. But I think this year really challenged me. And I think it challenged me in this way because this is something I'm supposed to lean deeper into helping you through this is the thought patterns around money. And The first thought that comes into your head about money or something that's stressing you out about money, you can't control that. You can't control your thought pattern or your feelings or even your reactions. It's just kind of automatic. But the second thought you actually have some sort of control over. So if you're feeling like this year you were not able to achieve your goals or you're not at the money place that you would like to be at, rather than thinking, that thought and following up with a, a feeling of maybe you feel shameful. Maybe you feel like you don't want to celebrate the holidays. Maybe you feel like you're you're never going to be able to get where you want to go financially. So you're just kind of in that place of like, I, I give up. I just give up. Rather than getting to that place, because we, we know what happens at the end of those thoughts and feelings, right? You're not motivated to do anything different. Let's leave the circumstance the same. The circumstance is that you did not get to where you wanted to get to financially this year. Okay, fantastic, right? That's that's a reality. But maybe we can think a different thought. I didn't get to where I wanted to get to this year, but that doesn't mean it has to be the same thing next year. So then maybe that turns on some sort of feeling of hopeful, excited. 
like, oh, okay, next year could be something new, something different. And then that's going to motivate an action in you that is good, that that propels you forward. Maybe it's going to motivate you to do some of these seven things that we're going to talk about to be proactive with them. So the point is, I really want you to understand that you can control your thoughts and your feelings around money. And those thoughts and feelings then have a direct impact on the actions that you take, the patterns you create, and ultimately the the behaviors that you manifest in you so that you get in a place where no matter what happens to you financially, you know that you can actually create a different outcome. You can actually take yourself to a place of feeling okay about where you're at. And I promise you, if you learn this, if you work on this, you are going to be like a a ninja wizard, somebody that people are going to look at and say, what is what is up with them? Like th- maybe they haven't achieved their money goals or whatever the situation is, but like look at them. They're happy, they're peaceful, they're motivated, they're going forward. That is very enviable. So I just I just want to lay that out to you. All right, let's get on with this list. So number one is to check in on your money stress level. So on a scale of one to 100, where are you at? What is your current number? I would say I am probably somewhere around a 71. That's kind of the first number that popped in my head. There's a lot of things that have gone right, a lot of things that haven't gone wrong, or a lot of things I should say that have gone wrong. And I'm just, I'm kind of feeling like a 71. I'd like to be closer to like a 50 or a 40, but I'm just not there personally. So what is your number and why? Why are you at that particular place? And no judgment attached to to any of this. It's just a self-evaluation process so that you understand better where you're at, what your thoughts are, what your feelings are. Just, you know, it's it's, it's check-in for you. Is there anything that you can do to change this number? So is there something, one thing, one little thing that you can do today that might change that number? So if your number is high because you're stressed about something financially, okay, we might not be able to change the situation that you're in, but could you do something else? Could you watch a stupid Hallmark movie? Could you go for a walk? Could you play with your pet? Could you... Rearrange your closet. Could you do anything other than sitting and stressing about where you're at? And if you're at a really good place from that money stress level, great. Could we do something also very proactive because we're in this good place, right? So this is kind of work of both both ways. So I want you to really think about this versus that thoughts and feelings, and understand that. Your first reaction to your money situation might be negative. It might be something that you don't like, but you can actually practically change those thoughts and those feelings. And that, my friend, is going to change the motivation towards the actions going forward. I hope that really makes sense and kind of sinks in for you. The second thing to think about is a practical thing, and this is funding your retirement. And we can get really kind of lazy with this. Maybe you work for a company and just money automatically goes into your retirement account. You're not really thinking about it. It just kind of happens behind the scenes. 
And that's great. But I want you to think about towards the end of the year, can you increase your contribution percentage? So maybe you got a raise this year if you did. Fantastic. A lot of people aren't getting raises these days. But if you got a raise, maybe you can up it by a half a percent. So let's say you got a 3% raise. Maybe you can increase your retirement contribution by a half a percent or a quarter percent or 1%. Something that is just going to help build that retirement snowball even better. So remember that the money that you're contributing, you're contributing it on a pre-tax basis if you're in a 401k within your company. So that is going to lower your taxable income, which is great for tax time because you're just going to owe less taxes because it has lowered your taxable income. So that's great. Also compounding, right? That that compounding, that money, stacking upon money, it works fantastic. So the more money we put in, the more it can compound, the bigger that retirement nest egg can grow. So I want you to challenge yourself. How much can you contribute? How much can you automatically put into your retirement plan? Now, if you're self-employed, you don't have access to a retirement plan, can you set up an IRA or a Roth IRA? And the same strategy works. Can you increase your percentage? Now, I know when we're talking about an IRA or a Roth IRA, we have lower contribution limits. Totally understand that. But can we get closer to the max or can we even hit the max, right? So I I just want you to think about, sometimes we think about if we increase our percentage in our retirement, oh, we have less money in our paycheck, which practically, yes, I understand that. And particularly if you're in a place where you need every dollar, right? You stretch every single dollar. I fully understand that place. But if you have a little extra wiggle room between the amount of money you take home and the expenses you have each month, I want you to think about moving money from your paycheck from one pocket to another pocket. So you're moving it from the amount of money you get in your take-home pay over to your retirement account, which ultimately, hopefully, is going to grow even bigger and bigger. And down the line, you're going to be really thankful that you have that money. So just, again, a little different way, a little different mindset to think about increasing our retirement percentage rather than freaking out (laughs) that you're going to have a little less in your take-home pay, think about like visualize your retirement account getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know about you, but that makes me really freaking excited. So the third thing to think about the towards the end of this year is I'm gonna give you permission, ditch your budget. Create what I call a mindful money plan. So what's the difference between a budget and a mindful money plan? Good question, I'm glad you asked. A lot of people, including probably yourself, this includes me, hate budgeting. It has this reputation, for lack of a better word. You don't feel good about it. It feels like a chore. And it also was set up, I believe, to fail. So traditionally, when we talk about budgeting, you know, you list your income, you list your expenses, you write down everything, and then you have this number at the bottom of how much you're supposed to be left with each month. And sometimes you're left with it, and sometimes you're not, and it never ends up working out the way you thought. So you just say this thing doesn't work, you blow it up, and you never do it again. And I understand that because I don't want to do something over and over again that doesn't make me feel good and doesn't work. So I have a system called the Mindful Money Plan, and this is my own system. I have rejigged the budget 
into a different little format that I think is visually more pleasing. And I'm going to talk about this in upcoming episodes. I'm actually going to have a free downloadable for you. So listen to some upcoming episodes. I've got an exciting course that I'm revamping that's going to come out in just a couple of weeks. And this is all about creating this mindful money plan. So basically the way this works is we need to incorporate your goals on this plan and not just your goals. We also need to understand why is this important to you? So money is not always logical, right? You know you should probably spend less or you should do this or you should do that, but you don't end up doing it. And I feel the reason that you don't is because there isn't enough motivation there for you to do it. That's why I believe in mindfulness and visualization and all these other techniques that I talk about on this show, because you have to really ground into why is this important to you? Why are you doing this? Why does this matter? Otherwise, there's no motivation for you to do this. It's it's just, you know, money is going to feel like this thing that is that is stressful and you don't understand and you're just going to keep spending money and things are just still not going to work out the way you want them to work out. And that's not the way I want things to work for you. So a couple of different things that I include in my mindful money plan is there is a column for looking at our expenses before the month starts. But more importantly, there is a second column that looks at our expenses for what we did spend in that month, right? So we're looking backwards. We're looking at the, the reality check of what did happen. And the reason this is important is because we can compare and contrast. We can see what went really well and we can see what didn't go so well that month. And then we can adjust going forward. So I just feel like this is such a different way of thinking about budgeting. It comes from this mindful place, right? You're being intentional with how you spend your money. You're incorporating your emotions in this money plan. You're incorporating your goals. You're incorporating the why behind this all. And I love this process because it helps you find money in your bank account, right? Subscriptions that maybe you don't need. Maybe there are leaky money areas. You can find your your biggest category expense and say, okay, do I want to spend this much or do I maybe want to make a few tweaks and changes? It puts you in the driver's seat and rather than a budget that makes you feel gross and like you're you know, you can't figure this thing out. A mindful money plan puts you in the driver's seat. So I want you to think about how can you incorporate your emotions and your goals into your, whether you call it a budget, a mindful money plan, what I call it, a spending plan, whatever you call it, right? If you can incorporate those things in, I guarantee it's going to change how you think about this process going forward. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 
50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard, 
You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. So towards the end of the year, we're doing this, this little bit of this financial audit, right? I don't even like the word financial. We're doing a little bit of a check-in of of what things are going right, what things are not, what do we want to change for the new year? We're checking in on our stress levels. We're thinking about these 10 money questions in my free downloadable, right? We're thinking about all of these things. And I think we're also thinking about how do we want to do money differently next year? What do we want to bring in, right? What thoughts and feelings do we want to have? What actions do we want to create new patterns, new behaviors? Like, how do we want to be different next year? And I love this idea of curating a a money practice. So we practice a lot of things. We have self-care practices. We have a practice if we're going to run a marathon. We have all sorts of practices that we do throughout the day. Maybe you have a hobby that you practice. Or maybe something in, in your work, your career that you love is actually a, a practice I think even, you know, sitting down and and reading, maybe you're a reader and you love to read books, that is a practice because you set aside this amount of time to read, to work on something, to to think about, you know, how you want to do things differently, to get enmeshed in a story, whatever it might be. So I love this idea of creating a money practice, time that you that you set aside to Focus on the things that you want to do really well around money because we really beat ourselves up when it comes to money. We beat up ourselves about the situation we're in, how we're spending money, how we're not spending money, where we're at, where we're not at. We compare ourselves to our friends, our partners. And I don't know about you, but I don't think this is a solitary sport that I do. (laughs) But I really get in my own head around money. I really am my worst enemy. And it's crazy because I know that's not true. And I also know that most everybody that I have worked with feels the exact same way. <laughs> so I know this is just not me. But again, it's it's not always logical when you get in kind of these death spirals, if you will, around your, your thinking about money. So I want you to think about this idea of curating a money practice. Set aside some time, do something that you enjoy. So I love to go to this this local tea house in Asheville and it's just beautiful and you order, I mean, they have teas from all around the world. So I order a tea and a little snack and I sit down with just a, a piece of paper and a pen and I do this every couple of months and I start writing down 
what are the things that I really want to do differently? What are what are the things that I'm not just my goals, but what are the things that I really want to achieve over the next couple of months? And why why are they important to me? Like why does this matter to me? And how can I do this in an easy to manage way? Because I think when something starts to become stressful or hard, that is the point where your brain goes, nope, forget it, not going to do it. And I think that's why we hit this plateau so often in in our money or in, you know, learning about money, learning about subjects that we want to learn about when it comes to money. And then we hit this plateau and we're like, well, I can't do it anymore. I see it happen a lot of time with in investing. You really want to learn how to invest and be a better investor and you maybe invest in an investing course or you buy a book and you start and you're like really excited and then you hit this plateau <laughs> and your brain's just like, nope, can't do, like can't store all this information, forget it, I'm just not going to be a good investor. It happens a lot. And so I use this money practice time to give yourself space to learn about things also that you want to learn about. Grab your investing book or turn on that the podcast or set aside some time for that that course that you really want to go through. I, I find that when I do this, and even if I do it infrequently, let's say every couple of weeks I set aside, you know, an hour here or there to work on my money practice, I just feel better about myself. So it's something I just wanted to throw out, take it or leave it, but it might be something that um you really want to start incorporating in in the new year. So the number four thing on our list is checking in on your credit. And I think this is really important towards the end of the year because it's really easy to overlook. It's overlook your your credit score, your credit report. And if you're not buying something, it's usually not particularly relevant to you. But there is so much fraud that is happening with, uh, gosh, all over the place that I really want you to be cognizant of your credit score. So credit scores range from 300 to 850. There isn't a prize or an award that you get for getting an 850 credit score. I say anything above 700, but particularly 740 plus is really the just sweet spot that you really want to be in with your credit score. And you can also get a free credit report, annualcreditreport.com. You can get a free credit report. You won't have your score on that report, but it's really good to grab the report from time to time because you can kind of look at everything and you can see, like, does this all make sense? Are are there things on here that are not mine? Or does everything look kind of on the up and up? Of course, there are lots of other apps that you can use where you can check your credit score, but you just want to always make sure that your accounts are yours and that your debt is accurate. And if you're working on raising your credit score, there are two ways really that I think you should ultimately focus on. And one is just paying your bills on time. And this one is really simple. I put everything on auto pay. It makes my life super, super simple. But if you can't do that, like calendar yourself, set reminders, post-it notes, whatever you need to do just to make sure that you pay everything on time. The second way to raise your credit score is something called credit utilization. So the way this works is they want you to not use more than 30% of your available credit. So let's say you have a credit card and the available balance is $1,000, right? Or I should say the credit limit on that credit card is $1,000. 
The credit bureaus don't want you to spend more than $300 at a time on that particular debt, right? So that is your credit utilization. And if your credit score is a little rocky, not where you want it to be, you pay everything on time, that is really the factor that I would zero in on. Can you get your debts below 30% of the available credit? That is really going to boost your score in a, in a huge, miraculous way. So just a little reminder, check in on your credit, make sure everything's still rocking and rolling and, and doing good there. The next thing is a beneficiary check-in. Eh, not so sexy, not so fun, I get it, but super, super important. So life insurance policies, bank accounts, retirement accounts, they're all going to have a POD, paid on death, or a beneficiary assignment. And I have seen this far too many times, so... This is why I offer you a word of caution. Let's say you were in a relationship with someone and you took out a life insurance policy and you named them your beneficiary. And let's say you're no longer in that said relationship and you would definitely not want that money if something happened to you to go to that ex-partner. This happens all the time. We, we get in relationships, we name somebody beneficiary, we break up, we don't actually change the beneficiary. <laughs> or I see this other scenario happening. You don't actually name a beneficiary to begin with. So that is the, well, it's not the worst case scenario, but I want to make sure that if you have something like a life insurance policy and something happens to you, that that money is going to somebody that you wanted to go to. So check in in all your accounts, double check your beneficiary, make sure it is the person that you want to be named. You can easily change your beneficiary. You can change your beneficiary multiple times over. So don't be worried about that. But just make sure it is actually the person that you want to receive those benefits. I could tell you horror story after horror story of people who did not change their beneficiary and somebody got the money that they know they were not intended to get the money. And also, if you're in a partnership, if you're in a relationship, double check your beneficiary with your partner. <laughs> you want to know if you're actually named as the beneficiary, because a lot of times that happens where you are actually, you think you're named the beneficiary, but you're actually not named the beneficiary. So you want to just make sure you really understand what's going on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we've got two more things to really talk about on our list of things to do with your money before the year ends. And the next thing is a security check. <laughs> because fraud attempts are always up during the holidays because they know that people are out spending money, they're using their credit cards. You're maybe not being as careful with your accounts as you'd normally be. So something that I do, because I do primarily almost all online shopping is I have a virtual private network, a VPN. I use a company called Surfshark. 
I'll link them in the show notes. And I just turn on my VPN and that helps. It's like an extra layer of security, particularly if I'm using my computer somewhere outside of my home and I don't know if the Wi-Fi network is really secure. I just, I'm really cautious around using unsecured networks. And I will say this also goes for your phone as well. If you are out somewhere and you're accessing Wi-Fi or maybe you're staying in a hotel or you're in an airport and you're using your phone, best practices are to not check things like your bank account when you're in one of those unsecured networks. There is a lot of fraud that happens in those cases where people get your login information, get into your account, and you kind of know (laughs) what happens from there. So really be cognizant of when you check sensitive things and make sure that you are on a very secured uh, network. You can also use virtual credit cards to shop online. I know a lot of banks offer this as well, where you can put in how much you need uh, on that specific card for a shopping purchase, and you can get a virtual card. So this isn't actually your credit card number, but it is linked to your bank account. So not all banks offer this, but A lot of the online banks do, so check with your bank, see if they offer virtual credit cards. Again, we're just, we're trying to add in these extra layers of security to make sure that, gosh, that you are just not a victim of credit card fraud. Also, something that I do at the end of the year is I delete credit card and personal data that's stored on my computer, so you can go into your browser's preferences And you can delete all of the data and turn off autofill information, just kind of clean out everything that has stacked up for the year. That's just another great thing to do. But I think more than anything, if all of this feels like a chore, just be really careful when you're shopping anytime, but particularly during the holiday season. Just guard your cards, make sure that you're online shopping and you have secure networks, just do the bare minimum and that's going to go a long way. I will also say that particularly when I know fraud is higher around the holiday time, I tend to use a credit card for my shopping and then I pay it off before the bill is actually due. Because I know that if there is fraud on my credit card, I can call my credit card company and they will instantly give me a refund for that amount of fraud. They'll do an investigation, but it's it's a lot easier than if you have fraud linked to your debit account, which is attached to your bank account. If somebody comes in and there's fraud and they withdraw money from your bank account and it's it's not caught, they could really drain your bank account before you know it. And then that process takes a lot longer for a bank to investigate that, for them to credit you back whatever money you're you're out. So just another kind of, you know, word of caution, if you will. I know that using a credit card is sometimes something that you don't want to start. There's a whole mindset piece around using a credit card. But I really think that if you tell yourself ahead of time, hey, I'm using this card because I want to add in another layer of security. I'm going to pay this off before it's due or right when it's due so I don't have to incur any interest. Just set yourself up for success. That's really going to go a long way. So that takes us to 
Number seven of the seven things to do with your money before the year ends, there's a lot of other things you can add in. And I think that's the beauty of talking about these things is maybe it sparked an idea. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't want to do number two or number three, but I'll take number one and number four, or number six. Pick what works for you. Pick what makes sense for you and don't overwhelm yourself. These are seven things, but you certainly don't have to tackle these things all at once. My my whole mission with this show is, oh gosh, just to help bring down the stress anxiety level around money, but also to give you ideas that feel easy and attainable and things that you can do without, without adding in more stress, if that makes sense. I think there's a lot of money advice out there that that people offer that it just adds more stress. It adds more on the to-do list that feels completely overwhelming. So that is never my intention with this show. So the last thing I want you to think about is writing yourself a 2024 or whatever year you're listening to this episode, money love letter. I started doing these this year. I call them Hey Money. And I write to money. I know this sounds a little bit ridiculous, but it has been incredibly therapeutic to me. Writing money how I feel about it, writing money what I want to do, telling money when I'm pissed off at it, telling money when I'm happy with it. It's it's like a, a process and it really helps this money, I'm using air quotes, kind of come to life for me. So here are a couple things that you can think about writing in your 2024 love letter to money. What do you want your relationship with money to be next year? I love this idea of deciding what you want it to be ahead of the time. How do you want to interact with money? How often do you want to think about money? What are the feelings that you want to evoke around money, right? This brings us back to the beginning of the episode when I was talking about you can actually choose your thoughts and your thoughts create your feelings. You can actually choose that. Choose how you want to think about money. Choose how you want to think about whatever circumstance or situation that you're in with money. You have a choice in that. So why not also choose what you want your relationship with money to be next year? Remember, money is just a piece of paper. It is literally a piece of paper. You are the one that gets to decide the feelings around that piece of paper, So why not start your year off with good feelings, good thoughts? Keep that train rolling throughout the year. Another thing to write in your money love letter is, what do you want to do next year? What do you want to achieve? What are the goals that you you want to have? And why do they matter to you? So if you have a goal that you want to go on this vacation, maybe there's this place you've been dreaming about forever and you got through the pandemic and you haven't had to the money to go yet, but you finally feel like next year is going to be the year. Why does that matter to you? What is it about that trip that is going to be so amazing? Now, if we're talking about vacation, this is absolutely my love language. (laughs) So I love everything about a vacation short of actually flying there. I hate that part, but landing, getting there, exploring, eating, drinking, meeting people, seeing sights, everything, relaxing. I love about vacations. And so Whenever I have a trip as a money goal, I always sit and think about all of those amazing feelings that I'm going to have when I'm on that vacation. And it really helps me be intentional with my spending leading up to that trip so that I know that I have the money saved 
for when that trip is going to happen. Like I've already set myself up for success. So see if you can do that same thing with your goals. This comes back to my mindful money plan, right? And incorporating your thoughts and your feelings and your goals in this way that makes you feel really excited. Also in your love letter, what commitments are you making to yourself and to your money? So what are you committing to? What is your money practice going to look like next year? And I want you to aim for, let's aim for like 70% success, maybe even 60% success. Like give yourself some room to muck it up, to mess it up, to not do things that you said you were going to do, but still give yourself like, okay, I can muck this up 40% of the time, but 60% of the time, these are the commitments that I'm going to make to myself and to my money next year. And I'm just going to try to be accountable to the 60% and the 40% that I just muck up. I am just going to let that go because it doesn't matter. There's absolutely no there's no world where perfection around money exists. So I want you to just feel free to kind of drop that. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't exist. It's not possible. And if anybody tells you it is, just tell them they are completely wrong. <laughs> there is no idea of perfect. All right. The next thing in your love letter is what do you want to learn about? What, what do you want to grow in your knowledge about money next year? What are those things that you really like, I really want to learn this? And also, what do you need help with? So who do you need to find? What shows do you need to listen to? What books do you need to read? What are the things that you need help with to get you to the place that you want to go? Let me know also what you need help with. This is beautiful. This will help me structure the show for next year. But what do you what do you need? Who's out there? Who can help you with that? And lastly, I want you to think about what are you ready to let go of? What are those mistakes, those things that you haven't done, those anxiety, those fears? What are those things that you really just want to let go of? I know I've talked about this in a few episodes, but I have a practice called financial forgiveness, and I absolutely love this. It is another mindfulness money technique. I take out a blank piece of paper, I set a timer for 15 minutes, and I write down without thinking every single mistake that I've made, everything that I am just frustrated by, everything that's pissing me off right now, everything that I would just rather have not happened or maybe should have happened, should have, could have, would have, everything I get down on this list. When the timer goes off, I walk away from that list. I come back to it, at least an hour time has to have elapsed from when I wrote that list. And I just read it over, again, without judgment. The next step, the last step is what's really important is I take that list and I do something with it. I burn it, I shred it, I tear it up, (laughs) throw it away, I do something. But there is definitely something that happens in your brain when you get rid of those things. You get rid of that list. You tell yourself that it's okay to let go of those things. So those are just a couple of things that you can include on your money love letter. But think about this idea of of sending your money this, this message of what you want it to do next year. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I love talking about things to do with your money before the year ends. I also love my January episode that I do of the things you want to bring in for the next year. So I hope you look forward to that episode. Again, if you want to grab my free downloadable of the 10 money questions to ask yourself right now, you can go to etmpod.link slash 10, the number 10, 
money queue. I will put that link in the show notes, make it really easy for you to pop over there and find it. If you enjoyed this episode, do me the highest favor, head to whatever podcast episode you're listening to this in right now. Give us five stars, leave us a review for the show. This really helps us continue to grow the show and will help it stay alive for many, many years to come. All right, my friend, I will see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. 